Hello, Tom Myers here. If you're like me and you've got a lot to say, a lot of stories to share, a lot of opinions to give, then listen up. I'm going to talk about something that's going to take your passion for podcasts to the next level. I'm talking about the 7 Million Bikes podcast course. This is the podcasting course you need. Imagine having the skills, the knowledge, and the confidence to create, produce, and grow a successful podcast. And you're not doing it alone. I'm talking about Neil Mackay, the podcast guy, founder of 7 Million Bikes Podcasts. He knows what it takes to turn your passion into a podcast that stands out. He's going to guide you through everything from podcast ideas that resonate to nailing that audio production and even editing your episodes like a pro. With 23 tutorials and over three hours of video content, this course is packed with practical tips, real-world examples, and everything you need to know to get started. Just $97 for a wealth of knowledge that'll set you up for podcasting success it's a no-brainer think about it less than a hundred bucks to unleash your creativity share your story and potentially even turn your passion into a profitable business people like ian payton who's taken the course launched their own podcast and already in the top 10 percent of podcasts worldwide and you could be next the seven million bikes podcast course is your ticket to podcasting greatness. Go to the link in my show notes right now and let's make your podcasting dream a reality. Hi, I'm A.A. Ron, the owner and producer of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. Bombing Run, the original comedy combat game show. It's an hour's worth of comedians clashing with their jokes. And soon to be released, Orbs Wacky World, a talk show with a twist. It will be a mix of comedy, unusual questions and music with orb as the host oddly funny productions we might be odd but we bring the funny to you that's a-w-d-l-y funny productions hey everyone it's me again if you're tired of listening to this show with all these ads in the way go ahead and subscribe to my patreon in addition to listening to this show without the ads you also get extended versions of these episodes and bonus clips as well doesn't cost that much you can get plans for as low as one dollar a month you can show the love and your support just go to patreon.com slash tom myers spelled m-y-e-r-s and subscribe and listen and enjoy today again that's patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Tom Myers versus the rest of the world, the podcast that has officially lasted longer than Donald Trump's post-presidential blog. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Mask mandates are being lifted all around the country, meaning it will be easier to tell who is on crystal meth just by getting them to smile. Until July 4th, ride-sharing apps Uber and Lyft will offer free rides to passengers who are getting their COVID vaccines. Of course, there will still be a charge for the service of not having a driver who plays music from his band at a loud decibel level during your trip. The Washington Post had a story about how people walking outside could succumb to cicada piss falling on them. This may be the perfect time to start inviting your relatives who still wear their Trump 2020 hats out for a picnic. Cicada piss apparently has the consistency of tree sap, so get ready for a new flavor of syrup coming this fall. (laughs) On the bright side, at least it's not pumpkin spice. Anthony Bouchard, a GOP challenger to Wyoming Congresswoman Liz Cheney, 
is said to have impregnated a 14-year-old girl when he was 18. The girl later went on to kill herself in what the candidate described as a Romeo and Juliet story. Uh, Anthony, you're still alive, so not quite, bud. John Cena apologized to the People's Republic of China for referring to Taiwan as an independent country while promoting Fast and Furious 9. I think John Cena should apologize to the world for taking part in yet another Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> and to Americans for his WWE intro music. And now on with the show. Please join me in welcoming Jeff Heisen, Abby Mello, and Gina Brown. Hey, Tom. Jeff, Abby, Gina, welcome back. Uh, anything new going on with you guys this week? I got a haircut. I know that is not something that you can see through the camera, uh, but I do want to talk about it just momentarily. I, uh, I was wanting to cut it off all pandemic, but I was a little bit worried. I've always had long hair. It was very much a part of my coming of age, and I always sort of linked it to my femininity, and I was worried that I wouldn't feel as attractive or sexy, particularly as I'm getting older. But I've realized now I'm, I'm day two of this haircut, and there is nothing sexier than not spending 45 minutes curling your hair. Yeah. I love I've how you been... and I I love how you and I are roughly the same age and we're both I, I was worried that I was maturing way too late, but now that you're having your coming of age moment, I actually feel better about myself. <laughs> I no longer feel inadequate. Well, and it also looks like you don't have to curl your hair that much, Tom, either. Like you don't like, have to take time blow drying it or anything. Got a real wash and wear style going there. I... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I have it dry clean, just like this blazer. <laughs> I, I've worked on a, a song. I have to really narrow down the lyrics of Cicada Copulation. And so I've been watching them because that's what they do just all over my deck. They just copulate. And I watch it. And I mean, I'm super impressed that they don't care. They don't need to get a room. They don't care. And you can just see the wings going up. And they're just... I, I just, I kind of like what they do. Like most 17 year olds, they're practicing going to college. So they're practicing for that full college experience. They are. Gina, exactly. you should make it look like a real swank hotel room out there. I mean, that's where I'd be my best banging. I know. I, they don't give a daggone. And then it's like they have this little walk of shame when they walk away. Like the dude just like, he's like on his last leg. Cause you know, they die after. And the women have to go find a place to or the the female have to go find a place to lay those eggs, but the dude is like, "Did it done <laughs> on you now, babe?" And it's just interesting to watch. They're a lot closer to humans than we think. Those cicadas. How about that, <laughs> <laughs> Jeff? How about yourself? Well, as a cisgender white male in his sixties, I were I am unable to comment. In, on anything that Abby said concerning her hairstyle, whether or not I noticed it, whether or not it's nice, whether or not it's sexy, I am abstaining uh, from that conversation because it will not end well with me, for me. <laughs> but I will say that even Twitter noticed that I'm older because I was on Twitter and under who to follow, it said that I should follow the place where I got my colonoscopy. <laughs> Why would I do that? <laughs> Who wants to follow all the shit they post on oh. there? 
Exactly. There are enough asses. There are enough asses already on uh, Twitter. No, they're kicking them off. <laughs> on Pornhub, they have the option, share this video to Facebook. Who does that? Who goes online, looks at a video of a 24-year-old woman fisting her 19-year-old stepson and thinks, this will top those photos of my cousin's baby's christening. To be fair, that was before I quit drinking. <laughs> I cleaned up my Twitter feed recently to get rid of the social media fights and the negativity associated with them. When I checked, I discovered I had deleted over 2,000 tweets. And that shocked me because I thought that number would have been a lot higher. <laughs> if I had to delete every one of my tweets that someone would have found offensive, then the only thing on my feed would be just set up my Twitter. Hashtag my <laughs> Joining us tonight to discuss social media, Sarah Roche. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. So, Sarah, um, uh, the topic of this uh, episode is social media. I see, you know, you're pretty, uh, you're pretty big on it. You use it a lot. You seem to use it for promotion and stuff. You know, there are pros and cons to it all. Uh, definitely a lot of usefulness. You, um, you know, using hashtags to link up whole communities who otherwise wouldn't have ever come in contact with each other. Um, especially yeah, getting your comedy stuff out there. I really appreciate you saying that I'm big on the internet because I have like maybe 700 followers on Twitter. So I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm pretty big, but I'm like, that, like <laughs> goofy. Um, no, I, I do my best and I put my stuff out there and uh, hope that somebody notices or comes to shows um but you know i think it also it invites people everyone everyone to have an opinion uh which is kind of a bummer sometimes when people have gross opinions but yeah it outweighs it's good the thing i, I like really find discouraging about social media is that like like to get stuff trending mm -hmm. you know like twitter and facebook they usually just pick like so they, they pick certain topics I believe like there's some kind of an algorithm where they go ahead and select random, uh, just random topics. And then people look at those topics and then go ahead and look at them and then either tweet or post on Facebook about them for like, just for, for likes and comments and, sure. and those. I mean, I've been, you know, certainly uh, guilty of doing that like at one point or another. And I, I think it's sort of demoralizing how, like, if you're not like a big name celebrity, if you're not a well-known politician then you know you you have a hard time getting uh, getting publicity you know promoting yourself i mean social media i think can be good for that but sure. at the same time it also like hampers you know independent struggling artists you know musicians comedians authors that kind of thing yeah no it's sort of like when a celebrity joins uh, only fans i get it you're kind of uh fucking it up for the rest of the people um I don't know. I definitely, I, I see that. It's one of those things where I think it all depends on how you use social media. Like I, a lot of times will post a joke that I'm not sure if I want to try it on stage, um, like at an open mic and see if it does okay within my comedy friends. And if it does, then a lot of times I'll try it at a few open mics. Um, so I use it for that where I'm like, you know what, if millions of people saw this, I don't know how much I want that yet because right. it's like a new kind of dumb idea probably um so i think 
you know, with you where you're promoting a podcast and shows and stuff like that, I can definitely see what you're saying, but yeah, I think it comes back to how you use it, I guess. And, and it's bizarre because you say, Oh, we have to figure out how to, how to promote yourself. And, you know, unless you go ahead and the spam every single <laughs> comedy group on Facebook, then Which I you know, that's, <laughs> um, again no, okay guilty as charged so <laughs> i've never seen your stuff I, there's like three dudes that i see who do it and like there are people who are my friends and i love but i'm also like i get it like you've done this in seven groups now we where it's all the same people do it's like you're just um but no i i've never seen uh and i've seen your like content posted but i've never been like ugh, this dude posting again so Sarah, actually, you mentioned people being shitty and that being sort of the downside of people's crappy opinions get to be expressed widely. But I have started re-entering the world. And now that the weather is nice outside, I'm like, oh, people are shitty in real life, too. Like, I went to get food the other day to pick up food yesterday and I'm walking back. It was only it was like not even a mile away in twice. One guy yelled at me just seriously. I'm not even kidding. Out of nowhere. He just said, yelled, remember, girl men make the best chefs men are the best cooks like and i was like what are you even talking about like i'm not wearing like a woman chef supporting like shirt or and just just women men make the best food and then further on down in my walk some guy just yelled at me hey girl watch the traffic maybe he was like, nice shitties maybe he, like, he was hungry where he was like, like give me a good meal Men are the best chefs, and I need to, and I can't cross the street by myself. Like maybe he thought maybe that with that first one, six months with that first one, maybe he thought like he was being real woke, you know, telling women to stay out of the kitchen as opposed to <laughs> maybe go get your degree, girl. It's like I did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm already across the street. You saw me do it. I'm funny. Sometimes I also because I feel like and maybe I'm just um, putting this on you, but I feel like you're pretty short, like I am. And uh, I don't know the car demographics in your city, but uh, I have definitely felt too short to be crossing the road with like pickup trucks that were tall enough where I was like, can you, can you see me? That's Do I need fair. To that is fair. So I'm like, you know what? I, I'm part of me is like, leave this woman alone. And part of me is like, look, you looked hungry. You look short. <laughs> they were like let's help. trying to be helpful it's 2021 we help women now <laughs> <laughs> that's very optimistic of you sarah thank you so, or maybe i'm just excusing terrible people i don't know hopefully not despite the wildfire like spread of memes spreading unsubstantiated claims the donald trump faction of the republican party still likes to claim they're being bullied as we can see from this 2019 hannity interview where congressman devin nunez talks about suing a parody Twitter account. Former Intel Committee Chairman Congressman Devin Nunes filed a $250 million lawsuit against Twitter in Virginia State Court, alleging the social media company negligently failed to remove defamatory and malicious tweets about the congressman and his family. Twitter is declining comment tonight. But what we're, the case we're basically making is, is this was an orchestrated effort. Uh, so people were targeting me. There were anonymous accounts that were, that were developed. And look, there's not supposed to be, these accounts aren't supposed to exist. Twitter says that they don't have accounts that do this. So, like I said, this is the first of many lawsuits that are coming, but, it, but there were several fake news accounts, whether it was regard to the Russia investigation or to me, and we have to hold all of these 
people accountable because if we don't, our First Amendment rights are at stake here. And, and the whole Clinton bought and paid for Russian lies, the dossier, we knew before the election. It's all not true. And Steele says it himself, right? And, and also why it's so important, Sean, part of the reason that I'm starting with Twitter in these lawsuits and going on to the fake news stories, it's important to know who was behind putting those fake news stories out. Wow. We're going to follow this very closely. I think there is a, um, there's a lot to the story, a lot more that may meet the eye on its surface. Uh, Congressman, thank you for being with us. I like how the producers just put the cut to break music on, even while they were having uh, their discussion. Even they're sick of the shit that Devin <laughs> Nunes and Sean Hannity are talking about. Oh, it's so painful to watch the faces. Yeah. But, but I, I, Tom, I, I lost track. At the end, Hannity said, we're going to follow this because there's more there to it. And there wasn't. So did he ever say that? I, I just I just pick the moments where this Sean absolutely just bloviates. Just well, the answer is no. <laughs> of course not. I was just gonna say it's sort of like seeing, um, like people who were probably definitely bullies at some point, or I mean they are bullies, but like even more so in the like traditional '80s like bully kind of way, they're using this platform to very unironically be like now someone's bullying me and I don't really like it and it's hilarious but also like like no one people weren't mean enough to them I think growing up <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. and hopefully people are making up for that now I never <laughs> understood like he's like there's so many more lawsuits the, the, the first of so many many and then the lawsuits never go anywhere I think no. people like saying I'm going to sue you and I think that people like they will watch this and be like well if there's like a lawsuit or something there has to be some backing but there's not and right. it gets out and nothing happens and then but that's not the story that's picked up it's just like oh yeah these you know fake Hillary Twitter bots were harassing some you know guy who's had it pretty fucking easy in life these guys are also complaining about how big tech kind of you know, runs amok and lets everything just go out of control. Like it's the wild, wild West. But, you know, at the same time, it's just been revealed that I think Devin Nunes and Donald Trump were trying to get Trump's justice department to try to get Twitter to give up information on this user that was uh, parodying Devin Nunes. So <laughs> it's like they were, they were complaining about something being done to them. And yeah. They wanted to go ahead and do the same in return. Yeah. Which is like, you're going to talk about First Amendment rights, and that's having a parody account is a First Amendment right. It's, they're joking around. Like, I think, I'm pretty sure the rules are like, if you like state clearly that it's a parody account, you can pretty much do whatever you want. And then if it gets shut down, then it's, it's usually the social media website that shuts down the, right. uh, the accounts. Like what happened with, sure. you know, Donald Trump and on his and his accounts that he tried to start back up again. And I think one of one of his lawyers from his election lawsuits. So it's not the federal government. If it was the federal government doing it, they don't realize that, that it would be a First Amendment violation. Yeah, right. and I realize it's a private company, but it's just, um, I guess it's ironic to me that they bring up that argument. It's just, it's very hypocritical. Everything about the whole party is like so hypocritical. And this is just another cherry on the pie, I guess. 
It's not just disinformation benefiting Republican candidates that floods the internet, but a new generation of social media warriors who are now fighting back. Here is one TikTok user who inspired thousands of people to buy no-show tickets at Trump's first COVID super spreader rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Guys, Donald Trump is having a rally next week and it's free. All you have to do is give your phone number and you can get two tickets. So I got two tickets, but I totally forgot that I have to pick every individual piece of land off of my room floor and <laughs> my size so I can't make it for Friday. Oh, well, I already got the tickets. And I accidentally just verified it too. So that means there's going to be at least two empty spots. Guys, that's awful. You should be really careful going to do this, you know, just in case, you know, you can't make it, you know, you don't want a bunch of empty seats. And another thing, guys, if you are doing it, make sure to use the right zip codes just so that they know you are in the area. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I liked about that was that you had you know, Donald Trump and his allies sort of weaponizing social media and, you know, to an extent, like all, all the disinformation, the, the Russian bots coming in, flooding uh, Twitter and, and Facebook with paid ads. And you have, you know, they're being defeated by TikTok users who just bought up all the seats at this rally, they were expecting, you know, 100,000 people to show up. And I think the final count was like 6,200, which left the Trump campaign upset, which actually leaves me upset. Do you know, I would kill to have 6,200 people show up for a comedy show. <laughs> or six. <laughs> yeah. Or three. <laughs> I think that that's an example of social media for good. And I loved every bit of how social media reacted to the election. I mean, it, it tore him a new one in all of his cronies and I loved it. It was happening on Twitter, it's happening on TikTok. And this is, this all my faith in young people and I'm raising two of them, just, I just was pride. <laughs> you know, I was just full of pride and joy. I was like, yes, they're, they're gonna take this on by storm. <laughs> right, what a great use of social media there. Uh, she, she was funny. She was uh, to the point, and she helped embarrass that son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I love the commitment, like aggressive commitment to the sarcasm. Like it did not. <laughs> really a huge fan of that. Oh my gosh, it's really good. Yeah, no, there are some aspects of social that are great. I mean, I, I, I could never be naked enough to get anybody to follow me on Twitter, but there the other aspects of social media that are advocacy have just been amazing yeah and not to rain on on the sentiment but they, you mentioned yeah. that uh, that trump was embarrassed by the showing in the election but i mean if he keeps insisting that the election was stolen the news was faked i mean is it is, is it really possible to embarrass anybody like that no no he's embarrassing himself i don't know or he doesn't you're right i think I mean, not to get inside his head, but I don't think his kind of personality type allows for embarrassment. It can't possibly, right? Like people like that, I think don't get embarrassed. I imagine like it might creep in for a millisecond, but then like immediately his brain comes up with something crazy to yeah. protect. 
and like boom, like there kind of thing. I yeah, you're right. Yeah, I would imagine that that's a narking mouse trap where the thing like goes through all the like I feel like every thought of embarrassment has to go through some <laughs> giant like you know it, it by yeah. the time it actually reaches the inside of his brain it is morphed into something completely different. It's yeah. There, there's <laughs> some cognitive dissonance filter there that just like yeah. nothing actually gets through. His head is a Pac-Man game to me, but <laughs> it doesn't ever really. And then, oh well, I'll go this way, and I'm gonna, and then just yeah. But and what she did was help put another dent in the armor, <laughs> and uh, and it, it slowly helped erode people's confidence in him. There's always there was always forty percent that are going to think he walked on water, but it helped uh, turn the tide. Uh, so she she deserves a position in the uh, uh, Democrats' uh, uh, headquarters. Social media squabbles don't necessarily have to be based in political discussion. Take a listen to this clip of two Xbox Live users attempting to express their differences of opinion. I think everybody can relate to what I'm about to say in that like I've listened to a lot of comics before and after shows talk about like playing video games, playing Xbox and going on forums like this. And I have to say that fight is more entertaining than any of those conversations. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Try I mean, to- it went awry. Well, from the beginning. But yes, it definitely was something. I could barely understand in the beginning, though. They came in hot, uh, which I thought was hilarious. I like they didn't build no building. Um, no, also- I mean, I definitely picked up around pussy and yeah. then. Uh, yeah, right. It became like- clear around pussy. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, why do men, typically of a certain age, but you know, some older guys, why do they always go towards pussy as an insult? And, of all and the mama, like, what, what is up with the mama? Why do you have to bring a mama into this? This is between y'all. Why are you bringing women involved? Like, right. what? Right. And then when they're really done, they go for queer because I that was in there too. Then yeah, they're like, like pussy, like, mama, queer. Yeah, oh, this is- like. Do y'all that, hate each other or like people around you? Like, what is it? Right. Well, that, that video was part of a video of combined. That segment was about 20 minutes long. Oh my God. That was the, that was the, uh, the least inflammatory part of that argument. <laughs> Thank you. Because they, they, they dropped some like ethnic and racial stuff in there as well. But I mean, I, it didn't sound like they were leaving anybody out. <laughs> no, 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 no. Ironically enough, they were being very inclusive. <laughs> I insulting everybody. That's the beauty of racism is that it is an all inclusive sort of buffet, if you will. <laughs> I'm still, and I'm still trying to di- dissect the sentence 
you're talking shit in my ass. I heard that. That was good. Right? That was good? That's a well, great time. Good, bad, right? It made you stop and think because I'm still thinking about it too. <laughs> it has nothing to do with women or gay people or anyone else. It's just, look, yeah. you're talking shit in my ass. You're talking shit in my ass. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they didn't, unless you heard it, Tom, they didn't bring up anything penile and no dicks, nothing. So impressive, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. Usually there's like a measurement thing going on. Like there's when you're hot and super masculine, you got to throw that around, you know? Do men say, like, would that be an acceptable insult if you were just like, you have a small piece? <laughs> like, would other guys be like, damn, that hurt? Is that why you have to dance around it because it's too hurtful if you go directly for the dick insult? I bet. No, I mean, I guess you. I think go. Jeff and I are just going to stay out of that one altogether. I, mean, I guess they. They think calling somebody a pussy, which is a super strong part of a body that takes on a lot of things in and out. Like, I don't know why somebody thinks that's an insult, right? But they do. I really wish that some of these insults would get like more real where one of them is just like, did you know that people who uh, throw out racist insults didn't have much lower IQs than the general population shit? Like, just something to really... Get in just there. stop it cold. But then he might be like, you're talking shit in my ass, you know? <laughs> He's like, well, you know. <laughs> now they're agreeing on something. Look at that. <laughs> right. And on that note, that's our show. I want to thank Jeff Heisen, Abby Mello, Gina Brown, and Sarah Roche. Thank you. But before we go, my final thought. My neighbor's home was raided by the police the other day. I suspect the big tip-off was the fact that he still has his Trump 2020 flag flying outside and that he has been holed up inside since the events of January 6. Little did all of us in the neighborhood realize that his legal downfall had nothing to do with his visiting the Capitol on January 6, but because he learned the hard way that Febreze doesn't cover up the smell of dead bodies in his basement. <laughs> Good night. This episode was written and hosted by Tom Myers with panelists Jeff Heisen, Abby Mello, and Gina Brown, and guest Sarah Roche. Theme music by Euron Vandenhuren. Executive producer Tom Myers. Executive producer for IPM Nation, Matt Connerton. For more information, visit tommyers.us. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. If you want to listen to more of this episode, go ahead and subscribe to my Patreon. There you can get extended versions of episodes like this one, as well as bonus clips. You can even listen to regular episodes without all these pesky little ads through which you have to fast forward. Doesn't really cost that much. Plans as low as $1 a month. Go to patreon.com slash Tom Myers, spelled M-Y-E-R-S. Show the love, subscribe, show your support today. That's patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Hi everyone. I'm Orb. I am not the official spokesperson for Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. A-A-Ron is tied up right now. <laughs> Shut up, I'll untie you in a minute. Here at Oddly, we're producing some great shows. Bombing Run, where comedians compete to see who's Joker Race. And Orb's Wacky World, a talk show with a mix of comedy, uncomfortable questions, and music hosted by yours truly. When you think of comedy, think of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y, Funny Productions. Now how do I get out of here?
Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.